Welcome back, everybody, to the Gridiron Gang podcast. We're special doing, edition. We're doing our halfway mid-season special edition show. We're going to be breaking down a handful of games as well as going into detail with all the trades and activity happening around the NFL this week. So kicking it off, we're going to start with the games first, and we'll start with Jacksonville at the Pittsburgh Steelers. 20-10 win for Jacksonville. That is five in a row now for Trevor Lawrence and company. They really got the ball rolling. They really haven't looked back, haven't took their foot off the gas yet so far in the last five games, Jesse. Yeah, heading into the bye, their bye week with a big, big, big-time W. Duval! And, uh, you know, it was a pretty physical game just in the pissing rain. And uh, they, they played hard. Josh Allen had another massive game for them with two sacks. He's on. He's up to nine sacks on the, the year. The real Josh Allen. The real deal, Josh Allen, number 41. And Kenny Pickett took a big, big shot right to the ribs. He was out. He has just been confirmed to be starting this week on the quick turnaround Thursday nighter, but they had Mitchell Trubisky taking over in the second half, got picked off twice. Eh? Typical Mitchell Trubisky, I got to say. But, uh, you know, the, the Steelers, they came out first play of the game. Matt, I'll give Matt Canada some credit here. He schemed up a nice one. Deontay Johnson in the slot, a little skinny post. Kenny Pickett puts it right on his hands, about 30-yard bomb. That's a, that's a bomb for Kenny Pickett. 30 yards, <laughs> pissing rain, right off his hands. And a, that's how you start the game with a drop. That would have been a huge game for a team that's really uh, – sorry, a huge gain for a team that's really struggling on offense. And that kind of just sums up how they've been all year. Couldn't get it going offensively after that. You had George Pickens saying how – you know, the Jags have a good D-line and that they play a little bit of hope defense because, you know, their secondary is not that good, according to him. And then he had a, he you know, he, he was held to one catch for 22 yards. It was a beautiful play, though. He hurdled two guys and got the touchdown. But, you know, you're putting some pressure on yourself when you're talking shit like that before the game and then you come up with a one-catch one performance. Not really like he was getting targeted or anything. I mean, uh, it's just a, just a mess, you know. Shout out Najee Harris again. Yeah, hold the phone. You're talking about a lack of offense. I got Najee Harris, seven carries, 13 yards. We're talking one of the biggest games of his career to date. So shout out Najee, you're still doing your thing, making me look great for those calls on you. Keep on doing it, bud. Keep on doing it. And on the other end, you had a massive game from Travis Etienne, who had 24 carries for 79 He's yards. He's cooking now, man. Yeah, and he had another three catches for 70 yards and a 56-yard touchdown on a wheel route. Um, he's just a really good running back. He's great in the backfield. He's great at receiving. Trevor Lawrence had a really, really, really good game. He had one terrible interception, but uh, other than that, 24-32, 292 touchdown in that interception, like I said. Still playing injured, still playing with that knee brace, and uh, I think Jacksonville heading into that bye was six and two. I mean, they're right where they want to be. They're right where they expected to be, as Doug Peterson says. And they have a pretty favorable strength of schedule left. They have the easiest road ahead of them out of the contenders in the AFC. And uh, yeah, I look for Trevor Lawrence to get healthy during this bye, and they come back to a big, big one versus San Francisco. Yeah, huge game with San Fran floundering out there. And no surprise that they're rolling with Etienne rolling too. That's four games in a row with him finding the end zone. Three of them he found the end zone twice. So Etienne's really starting to cook, doing what we saw him doing last year to a large extent for sure. So yeah, Jacksonville continues to look better, especially on the defensive end yeah, of the ball led by uh, Josh yeah. Allen and 
Okuan, I, I believe. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Olu-Okun. but he, he's getting a ton of tackles every he's single week. Like he, Yeah, he just keeps on getting involved, so they're leading the way big time, by example. Trayvon Walker got a bucket, too. You know, he's been taking a lot of criticism as a number one overall pick, but he now is up to three and a half sacks on the year. I mean, obviously, you would want a little bit more production, but he he is great against the run. Um, He's more athlete than pass rusher, and... uh. When you have Josh Allen on the other side getting all the all the attention, you know, maybe look for Trayvon Walker to come come in with a big second half of the season for them. They need someone on that defense. They're really good run stout, really good run run uh, run stopping defensive line, but they need a, another pass rusher to emerge opposite of Josh Allen. Yeah. If they want to, if they want to be able to pressure the elite quarterbacks in the playoffs, Eli. That's right. That's right. And like you said, they got the bye week coming up to figure it out. Make sure they're still healthy. Make sure Trevor Lawrence is even like I know he played great, but he was playing banged up yet again. So good for him to get those wins going into some rest there for sure because he needs it in a big way as well. Another massive game too for uh, T.J. Watt. Uh, he had a half sack, and he's just—he's really make—he makes great plays for them. I mean, for for a team that's really struggling on offense, their defense still forced three turnovers. They held, they hung around for as long as they can. Jacksonville eventually pulled away late, but if they can just get any kind of consistent rhythm on offense, I mean, this team—I mean, they're four and three, but to me, like that—that's a fake four and three. I don't—I don't fear them. Like, I—I I don't fear them at all, to be honest. But. If they could get any kind of rhythm offensively, they they can be a team that can make some noise. I just don't know if I see that happening. Yeah, no, I agree with that. They're definitely, I mean, they have a chance to move even further above 500 against Tennessee with Will Levis leading the way. We saw his phenomenal debut last week with four touchdowns, three going to DeAndre Hopkins. So Good for the Mayo, man. Yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be an interesting Thursday matchup. Those two teams match up pretty weird. So Should that, be a physical, physical yeah. low-scoring uh probably ugly football game just, yeah just the kind of shit we like over here yeah baby. i think the the total right now is 36 and a half so the, odd, the sure. odds makers not expecting points in that That's one for good reason yeah, yeah that might still be too many um new orleans at indianapolis 38 27 win for the saints Who that? you've been saying it all year to me rashid shaheed is the best receiver on the New Orleans Saints. He had an absolutely massive game. It seems like every single time you're seeing anything downfield, it's going to Rashid Shaheed. Three catches on three targets, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara keeps doing what he's been doing. He's producing big yet again. Finally got in the end zone for the first time since his first game back this year. So really good to see that. Derek Carr absolutely shit the bed looked like a child against the jacksonville jags he redeemed himself very well in this one led the way by example he played a really good game finally not the highest completion percentage but really opened up the field in this one which i really like to see yeah this is uh the kind of stats the stat line you want from Derek carr 310 yards on 27 attempts 19 completion that's a whole lot better than what was it, 305 on 55 attempts? I mean, fuck that dink and dunk shit. Let's throw the ball downfield with these playmakers. Shahid, I mean, Olave, Mike Thomas, Taysom Hill, Kamara, the list goes on and on. Uh, This was the kind of offense that I was expecting the Saints to look like all year, Eli. Took a while to get here. Uh, Hopefully they can continue on with this momentum, but they were really creative in the run game with Kamara and Taysom Hill. They've been pretty creative with Taysom Hill all year. He had a really nice game for them. Passing the ball with a big one to Shahid, and then a couple big runs, including a touchdown run, I believe, right? Yeah. And then also, uh, Granderson continues to pop. He got another sack. The Colts, uh, they ran the ball so well. I think Taylor had like 95 yards in the first half, and then they kind of just took... They, they, they went they, away yeah, from Yeah, they strayed yeah. away from the run game in the second half. 
Minshew just fails to cover again. He just refuses to cover the spread. It's pretty hilarious. But the Colts' defense is a mess. It's like their third straight game giving up 30-plus points. That was supposed to be the strength of this unit, uh, this team heading into the season. And so far, it's been all offense for them without Anthony Richardson, too. Yeah, and it was, like you just said, JT was cooking. Uh, Zach Moss was cooking. They combined for, I think, like 161 yards yeah. or something on very little touches, too. They averaged like 6.8 or 6.9 yards a carry in this one. So, yeah, it was really weird how they just decided to not go with that. I know, like, time sometimes gives into the equation for these types of scenarios. But um, but it's not like it was a blowout. Yeah, like it's that. not like it was ever an overwhelming lead or anything at any point. So it was really weird that they strayed away from something that they had so much success with. So that was uh, extending their win streak over the Colts for the Saints to five straight wins against their uh, cross-conference rivals there. And that dates all the way back to a very historic game in 2009 Don't that you'll remember me. very no. well no. i'll remember for a different reason because that oh. was drew Brees leading the Houdat nation to their first and only ever super bowl so good for him always good memories against That's my those dog goals. champagne too baby <laughs> always good memories uh just wanted to throw that out there because that was a special time and he deserves a shout too. out for that so now the saints are sitting at four and four same as the Atlanta Falcons. That division's really heating up. It's a dog shit division, but the race remains on for the lead in that one. So interesting to see who comes out on top after the halfway point. The Saints will be on a bye week next week against the Chicago Bears. So that should be a very easy game. Hopefully nothing comes easy for this team, but that should be a very, very manageable game for them to walk away with a win. Colts. Going into Carolina, taking on the Panthers. The red-hot Carolina Panthers. That's right, that. yeah. I just want to give a shout-out to Bryce Young, first-ever NFL win. Yeah, he played uh, a hell of a game. Too. Mike Bitts, there you go. Carolina's not blanked anymore. And Bryce is, right? Anyone who followed along with the pick show last week, you're welcome. Yep. That was a big call. Dating back to the grade-eight rivalry between him and Stroud, he got the best of him then as well. So yep. just wanted to remind everyone. The Panthers saying they got their guy, and uh, and he did prove it, although Stroud has been a little bit more impressive. the the Bryce Young got it done when it mattered the most, you know? He did, he did. It was a very... That's that was a good game. He looked good the whole time. That's enough on that game. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, San Francisco, 49ers. Cincinnati's getting hot. Woo! It's a 31-17 win for Joe Burrow and company, and Joe Burrow, man, he's looking really, really good again, Jesse. He looked very healthy. First game we really saw him this year using his legs to his advantage like we've seen him do in the past. Scrambled very effectively, six carries for 43 yards. But what really stood out, 28 of 32 completions. Absolutely spot on, 283 yards, three touchdowns. You can't play better against a defense like that. He was absolutely in the zone. Joe Cool, man. In uh, Levi Stadium, you know, Joe Montana in attendance. What a performance by Joe Burrow. Really impressed. He looked, like you said, 100% healthy coming off the bye week. Um, he is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL against zone coverage. Uh, he manipulates the defense with his eyes. He's looking off safeties. He's looking at, uh, He's looking right. Quickly goes back left, hits Chase, hits Higgins, hits Boyd. He got his tight ends going, mixing around the ball hard. This was the kind of offense that we expected all year from the Bengals. And uh, it was really nice to see. It was a, it was a good game to watch. Um, I think Lou Anamaru, just again, really good defensive coordinator, really good uh, matchup specific defensive coordinator. He knows he knows the matchups that he wants, and he puts his defensive players in the best position to succeed. Led by Sam Hubbard, led by Trey Hendrickson, two absolute beasts coming off the edge. I mean, Trey Hendrickson just 
feel like every week we come on this pod and just say how like he's another just, sack, he's, another sack. He's just relentless. Tons of pressure. Tons of pressure. He never gives up on a play. He's he always goes 100%. I mean, his motor's just ridiculous, but like you said, the story of this game was Joe Burrow and uh I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are about to go on a huge run here, Eli. I don't know if they're going to finish with the top seed in the AFC as it's stacked and they had a slow start, but I think when it's all said and done by the end of the year, they might be the best team in the AFC. Um, and just that's now three straight losses for the 49ers. Um, another two crucial interceptions from Brock Purdy on back to back throws in the fourth quarter. Um, other than that, he played a great game. He, he looked really good, man. Yeah, and he, it's crazy because anytime something like this happens, the haters are so ready to jump down this guy's throat. Oh, he is yeah. so hated for I don't know what reason. I mean, it's hard not to like. He's the last pick in the yeah, draft. He's so, you know, like I like rooting for an underdog, so I don't know where all this hate comes from on him. He seems like a really good guy, but as you were just saying, Kittle exploded. Ayuk exploded, and McCaffrey just does what he does every week. So even with all that offense, I mean, it's a huge statement to exactly how well Cincinnati and and Joe Burrow played in this one because they had to put up all those points. That could have been really close right at the end of the game, if not for those turnovers. And, yeah, just to retouch on what you said about Mixon, that was by far the best he's looked this oh, year. Oh, yeah, he was I think running downhill. He's running really hard. instrumental for that offense to get going with him going, too, because they always look better when he's involved. Like Absolutely. And and piece. the run game, just it, it takes a little bit of pressure off Joe Burrow. He doesn't have, even though he was spot on on every single throw and decision this game, when he does have an off game, when they can have that run game going, it does a lot for them. So he, like, I feel like, um, you know, you got situations like in Buffalo where if Josh Allen has an off game, they're just, they're done. They're toast. You know? they're toast. And so that's why run game is so important. They have a good back in Mixon. They have a decent O-line led by Orlando Brown. So really, really good performance on the road too. But uh, just going back to San Fran and the Brock Purdy thing, I think my take on the whole thing is, when when Brock when the San Fran was rolling and Brock Purdy was playing so good, I think he got a little bit too much of the credit. And now, like when he's struggling, I think he's getting too much of the blame. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no middle ground for this guy. Like two weeks ago, people were saying this guy's Tom Brady. Now they're saying he should be benched. I mean, that's just like such a knee jerk reaction. You know, like this kid's in his like fifteenth or sixteenth start. You know, he's a young quarterback. He's still growing. He's still learning. He's gonna. He's not going to be perfect. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Drew Brees. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. I think we just got to continue, see him grow, see where he can go. Let's not forget that they're missing Debo Samuel. They're missing Trent Williams. They're not a, completely 100% healthy. Those are Debo Samuel's, I know Ayuk's a stud, but other than CMC, Debo Samuel's what makes this offense go, Eli. Yes. Whether it's out of the backfield, in the slot, out wide, he, he can do it all. Yeah, I don't think the offense is where the problems uh, oh, no, no, it's need the to defense, be addressed. Yeah. The, de- the defense has now been getting torched yeah. on a regular basis yeah. for the last few weeks, too. So as amplified as people want to look at Brock Purdy's mistakes and make them seem like they're at the forefront of the problem, that defense needs to tighten up big oh, time. Oh, 100%. They are star-studded, and they just added another star. We'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll later, get into but, that later. Uh, yeah, they, they got some things to address in this bye week and a lot of things to work on, and I think Brock Purdy's going to be like down the list on concerns oh, for Kyle Shanahan. And absolutely, and, and the bye week's coming at a good time. I mean, it sucks to go into it with three straight losses, but... Hopefully they can come out of the bye with Devo Samuel healthy. Hopefully Trent Williams is healthy. Um, we'll talk about a trade later on. He'll be able to get ac- accumulated to the team, and, and he'll be good to go against Jacksonville. But, yeah, the defense has been pretty disappointing. I mean, Javon Hargrave, their big free agent signing, four-year, 84 mil, he's been pretty relevant since week two or three. 
Nobody on that defensive line pops besides Nick Bosa. I mean, he's got 41 pressures on the year. That's fourth in the NFL. The sack numbers might not get there, but he's getting so much attention, and no one on the other side is is is. That's is the thing. You have to you have him. to be able to be held accountable away from uh, Nick Bosa because he's like you just said. He takes so much attention. They're doubling him. They're tripling him at times. Exactly. Someone else has to get through on that line and exactly. get not. You don't have to get sacks. Get the pressure though. Exactly. Get pressure, the pressure. Pressure. Pressure forces. It, it, mistake exactly it, it forces irrelevant it forces errant throws it forces incompletions interceptions etc it doesn't always have to be sacks you do want to get the sacks uh eventually like nick bosa will he did say like you know his holdout has definitely affected him i don't think he's quite playing as good as he was last year obviously but he is still playing his ass off he brings it every single play he's relentless he's got a great motor um and like yeah, it's just their secondary is getting torched, man. I mean, I just it's it's. I thought that I thought they would address that. In I the did trades, too, and, and for sure. And you know, spoiler alert, they didn't, and we'll get into that later. But I definitely thought that they would try to get a corner, and they didn't. But, yeah, I was surprised with that. Yeah, Cleveland, Seattle, twenty four twenty win for the Seahawks. Um, this was huge for multiple reasons. One clutch at the end from Geno Smith after a very very difficult second half offensively yeah. yet again for the third week in a row for Seattle. But the thing is, they won and they won ugly, and that doesn't even matter. Now they're in the division lead. They have everyone starting to contribute offensively, which I find very fascinating. You're seeing, uh, I believe Bobo had a rushing touchdown at the he start did, of this on a, game. On a jet suite. So yeah, now you're seeing Bobo get involved in very unique ways. You're seeing ja- Jackson Smith Najigba show up in a big way now with another touchdown, and he clutched up great. Great um, awareness to go on the outside on that swing pattern at the end of the game with that quick out to him to get in the end zone. It was a beautiful block by DK too that it, uh, sprung him out there. I mean, that was just it was, was a great it was play. A really good design great and good execution. good awareness because you could easily take that the wrong way if you're uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba too. So great great call, great execution to get the win. Tyler Lockett had one of his biggest games this year: eight catches, eighty-one yards, and a touchdown as well too. He hasn't really been as uh, electric in the offense as we've seen him in years past, so that was a big game for him. Um, Geno Smith kind of has to start working on these turnovers, especially in the second half of games, man. We're seeing this reoccur multiple times now for the last few weeks, him turning the ball over and opening up the door for their opponents to remain in games that they probably shouldn't be remaining in for any, any sort of reason. I, you know, you said it was an ugly win for the Seahawks. I totally agree, but they look so, so good doing it in those throwback jerseys. I just want to put that in really quick. Those are some really nice throwbacks that they were wearing. Um, I don't know why they got away from their game, game script, man. Like, they were running the ball so efficiently. And, like, when you just look at this, Ken Walker, 8 for 66. Zach Charbonnet, 5 for 53. That's 13 attempts right there. Bobo had an attempt. Gino had two. Eskridge had one. That's 13, 14, 16, 17 runs. And they were averaging well over five yards of carry. I mean, Ken I mean Walker, Walker and Charbonnet almost combined average over 10 yards exactly. of touch. That's but then crazy. You have 16 rushing attempts to 37 passing attempts. And, like, that's not who they are. That's not what Pete Carroll wants to do. They want to run the ball down their throat. Especially when they get out to a 17-point lead in the first quarter. Yeah, I the mean, defense they, was flying around. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, and, really, what the hell they did there. Now and like, that I'm especially, really looking at it. Especially against that Browns defense. When you have a lead like that, you want to wear them down. You want to chew the clock up. And they just didn't really do that. They let the Browns hang around. They had a really sluggish second half throwing the football. Um I will say the Browns, their defense is really good, but they just, P.J. Walker, 
I'm not a fan. I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, D- D- Deshaun, like, they win this game with Deshaun Watson by any means. I'm just saying, like, they have a problem at quarterback. Yeah, they do. They have a really good football team. Deshaun Watson's not playing good when he plays. P.J. Walker's been no better. Another two interceptions. Another game under 50% completion percentage. They ran the ball really well, 155 yards. But, uh, yeah, they just they can't get enough plays in the in the passing game. And I feel like they need to be more conservative on offense with that defense. They don't need to be throwing the ball 31 times and, and taking chances downfield. I mean, yeah, if Amari Cooper's one-on-one, take a shot. But I just – I don't – and Kevin Stefanski's not known for his passing game. So I can only imagine what my Uncle Craig's thinking, diehard Browns fan. So unfortunate for him, just years of depression. But, uh, yeah, this was a – That's rough. This Yeah, this was a good win for Seattle uh, at home. And they have a big one coming up, Eli, on the road. Yeah, they sure do, man. And I just want to give a shout-out to our boy Kier because I know he's fired up. This is this is the best. First place. I mean, this is this is the best you could hope for yeah. at this point in the year. Not anyone really gave them a chance, really, after we saw San Fran to start the year to be even talking at the midway point of the season that yeah. they could be sitting – first in their division and their defense man they 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 got a special thing going on that defense right now i gotta tell you that and i gotta give them shout outs because they're just making plays every single week right now no matter what no matter where it's coming from too we talked about it before great balance of veterans and these young guns and they're all working so good together they've really hit on their draft picks in that russell wilson trade the you know denver gave up a couple first couple seconds and they've really hit on some of these guys that they've drafted um, they have a really good rotation of bodies on the defensive line. I mean, they, they're 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 giving up a bit of yards in the passing game, which is surprising. But they're coming away with splash plays, turnover plays. Um, you know, fifth overall pick Spoon, he's been great. I love the addition of Julian Love at safety, so you can kind of play him back, uh, him and Diggs back at safety, and kind of have Blitz Boy Jamal Adams just in the box because he's he's a good he's a great safety. He's just not a good cover safety. But he is so good around the line of scrimmage. He's one of those guys who he has this instinct that he trusts to make big plays. That's that's the thing about him. He might not be the most technically gifted player, but his instincts are incredible, and he creates exactly. big plays all over the and field. And you know, the, he was he he was part of the reason why they created that late turnover on that interception that Julian yep. Love got that got the ball back to Seattle, where they were able to go and have that game winning drive. And uh, Seattle's just a momentum team, you know. When they when they get a turnover or a big play, they always seem to capitalize on it, Eli. They do, and it was clinical. And you just mentioned it. It's a huge game coming up next week at Baltimore against the Ravens. The Ravens are also rolling, so that, that has the potential. There's a lot of good games on the slate next week. One of the best of the year, I think, in my opinion. Oh, all it over, is, it is. All over different time slates, yeah. too. So, yeah, that'll be a great game to watch, and there's many great games to watch next week. So looking forward to that one for sure. Um, I know you're excited to talk about this one, Jesse, so we'll hop to it. Kansas City at the Denver Broncos. 24-9 win for Denver. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride. Let me tell you, hold up, man. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's having nightmares about this guy named Justin Simmons. Six interceptions against the two-time Super Bowl champ. That is absurd from him, man. And what a performance from the Broncos defensively, you told me this earlier today, 37 pressures ridiculous. on Patrick Mahomes in this game. That ridiculous. is ridiculous, as you just said. Russell Wilson completed 12 passes in this game. That's it. And this game was never really close. This game was a dominant win, yeah. and it didn't take much from Russ to do it. Nope. And I will say, Russ, 6-12 in the first half. 
he only had one incompletion in the second half. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot, but when they asked him to make a play, he did it. He was really good in the red zone, breaking pocket, finding uh, Cortland Sutton on that touchdown in the back left corner. Almost a very identical touchdown earlier in the game is just this the one to Jerry Judy in the back left of the end zone was on script. The one to Cortland Sutton was off script. So really, I really love to see that. You know, this is what I wanted all year. This is what I fucking wanted all year. Run the ball down their throats. 40 rushing attempts to 19 passing attempts. That's the kind of football that the Denver Broncos want to play. That's the kind of football where the Denver Broncos are going to win. You don't want Russell Wilson throwing the ball 30-plus times. It's no disrespect to him. He's a legend of the game, but he's not the player that he used to be. He's still a good player. 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions on the year. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. I mean, he, he has terrible awareness in the pocket. That strip sack at the end of the half drove me crazy. But uh, shout out my fucking boy, Baron Browning. What a performance by him. Six pressures, two tackles for loss, two sacks, forced fumble. Um, this was, you know, his second game back from injury, his first start. And uh, it's just great because I've been praising him to you. I've been praising him to all the boys and just see him come out and have this kind of performance. I love to see it. He's my favorite player on the team. And also Javante Williams. Yeah, and you sent me a tweet saying he was at like 23.2% yeah, pressures, I believe, which up. is right up there with the elite three or four pass rushers in the NFL. And that's obviously on a small two-game sample size of him returning from injury, but I remember reading exactly around there. And yeah, I just want to touch on what you just said, because that was possibly a huge turning point at the end of the half when Russ got strip-sacked and then they got the field goal to end yeah. the half, cut the lead to 14-9. to nine. Not very often in the NFL are you ever going to see the Kansas City Chiefs score zero points in a half of football, and that's what Denver did in the second and half. zero touchdowns in the whole game. Zero touchdowns in the entire game. You see, you're not going to see that very often from Patrick Mahomes and company, and yeah, they, they deserve every bit of credit for what they did defensively in that game. Yeah, sure. so Baron Browning, 23.3% pressure rate. Um, he's got 10 pressures on 43 pass rushing snaps, so obviously it's a small sample size, you know, Mika Parsons, 21.7%. Rashawn Gary, 22%. So that's elite company to be in. I expect him to be in that company all year. He's a great athlete. Um, he's electric. He's got a great first step. He's got a great bend as a pass rusher. But it wasn't just him. I mean, Zach Allen, seven pressures and a half sack. Nick Benito, nine pressures, three QB hits. He didn't get home, but he was in the backfield all game. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, four pressures, half sack. I mean, what a performance by this defense that gave up 70, Eli. 70 points just five weeks ago. No, it's remarkable because you could see it in front of your eyes, the transformation week by week right now from this defense, not even in terms of execution, but the belief. There's a real belief around this team right now. You're seeing the energy. You're seeing, like, it, I, I want to just say Browning coming back especially. He's got these boys buzzing oh. in a big way. You could tell they're rallying around him. Yeah. All these guys play better together because of him, and... Yeah, there's no real better way to head into a bye week after that abysmal start to the year. They now have momentum, and they now have even more time to get things going and work on their chemistry together in this next week or so here. Yeah. Kansas City, however, does not have time. They're flying overseas to Frankfurt, Germany for this one, uh, taking on the Dolphins. It should be 
a wonderful game for those German fans out there. That's going to be an awesome, awesome football Cheetah, game that they got. Kyrie feels re- uh, I mean, not often game. are they bringing games like this overseas, no, so no. this is a real treat for those people out there in Frankfurt. That That's going to be a, quite a football game to watch, and... Yeah, you're going to want to see a bit. I wonder if Taylor Swift is going to be making it overseas for this one because I think Kelsey not. really needs her out yeah, there. Yeah, she wasn't at this game, and, and they got <laughs> smashed out. And just the Broncos, they started off 0-3, and, and they're now 3-2 and in their last five games. So like you said, that's that's some real momentum. And uh, just beating a really quality team, arguably the best team in the league. I mean, I know we don't think they're the best team, but there's plenty of people that do. They were on a six-game win streak. And just the, that's the kind of thing that can change uh, belief within an organization. Um, yeah, I, yeah and just, it's crazy because they're three and five, and they could very easily in a they're a game out in a seven. matter of handful of plays throughout the year at the start too, week one and two especially. They could, be five and three, they could right? easily be five and three, and I believe they have the skill set and the coaching that would justify that as well. So they could definitely get on a streak here. And this was a very very big signature win for Sean Payton. Yeah, it was. Um, he kind of dug himself a hole with some of the things he said in the off season. He was getting criticized. People were like. Has the game passing by? Is he fucking on drugs? His eyes are so dark. It's like, and just to come out there, smash. This game was, it was close for a bit, but it, it wasn't, wasn't really even close. close. No. I mean, it was the, dominant. The Chiefs got out physical. Um, Sean Payne had a great game plan, running the ball, not asking Russ to do too much. Devontae Williams with a career high 30 touches, career high 27 carries. Um, Jaleel McLaughlin made some plays. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan had some big blocks, a couple big catches, you know. Uh, Judy, big plays, two for 50. Was Cor- that five turnovers they created five. in this game? That, I mean, that's alarming. You know, you're not going to see that yeah. almost maybe ever again for no. the Kansas City and Chiefs. My boy, no, I know for a fact, not a, almost nobody probably knows this guy, Jaquan <laughs> McMillan, our starting nickel cornerback. He's an absolute fucking dog, okay? He had two tackles for loss, an interception, six tackles. This boy can play. He was a ball hawk in college. He's in year two in the NFL. He was undrafted. Kid's a stud. J-Mac, fuck yeah, buddy. Shout out to you. You're a fucking dog, boy. (laughs) And now you know. Now you know him, all our listeners. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, huge, huge win for Denver. Huge fucking win. Uh, No mistaking it. Kansas City going to look to bounce back, as I said, in a big way. And that's going to wrap up all of our game slate for this week because we want to get into big in-depth discussion about all the trades and all the activity happening with teams at the midway point of the season right now. So uh, we we kind of briefly with? mentioned it earlier with the 49ers. Uh, we didn't say his name, but it's... Um, if you Chase, want. Oh, yeah, Chase Young. Yeah, the, Chase Command, Young. the Washington Commanders traded Chase Young, defensive end, uh, to the San Francisco 49ers for a third-round 2024 draft pick. And uh, the craziest thing about this, Eli, is it's a comp, 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 I don't even know the word. It's a third round comp pick that they got for losing two minority coaches and D'Amico Ryan's and uh, the Titans GM. I don't, I don't, I don't know his name because Titans are so irrelevant to me. But this is not even a, like a draft pick that they had. It's an extra one that they got. And uh, the thing is, if they lose Chase Young because he's a free agent after this year, uh, if he goes off and signs a big deal with another team. They're just gonna get a third round comp pick back for him, so that's, it's almost like they're giving nothing up that's for a, a chance that's a, on him. That's an elite GM play. That's forty uh, chess by John Lynch. Uh, when I found that out, I was just mind blown. I don't know why more teams didn't. That's do that. crazy. Yeah, and so that also reunites um, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, college teammates. Um, and I just want to say I love this move because, you know, that D line, like we we're saying, they weren't 
they weren't living up to the hype. Uh, they weren't living up to the money paid to some of the guys. They they uh, the Broncos traded Randy Gregory for a seventh uh, a few weeks ago. Um, they're 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 zero three with that idiot on the team. I'm just saying, and uh, this is a huge addition for them. Uh, Chase Young is having his best year. Um, he's fifth in the league with forty pressures. Nick Bosa's fourth in the league with forty one pressures. So. That's a really good dynamic duel off the edge. Then you got Javon Hargrave in the middle, Eric Armstead in the middle. You got Randy Gregory, Drake Jackson coming off. Uh, you got uh, Cleveland Farrell coming off. That's just a rotation of just dogs, man. That's just that's like that's like the Philadelphia Eagles. You just have those bodies coming in. They're always and fresh. when they're fresh like that, I mean, it's so much easier to impact a game against the O line that's out there. Pretty much the entirety of games. Very, for most parts. very rarely do off, uh, offensive rotate offensive lines. I mean, the Seahawks did it against the Browns and it worked, but that usually doesn't work. You usually want an O line that's uh, got chemistry together, that's been gelling, um, playing game in, game out in the trenches, right? So I really love this move. Uh, we touched on how we thought maybe they would get a corner, but yeah. if they can get uh, consistent pressure in the backfield, it will make up for the uh, some of the lack of coverage that they have because the quarterback's going to have um, you know just the clock in their head going off quicker. That's kind of like the the thirty seven pressures on Mahomes. You know, he was just he was looking at the rush and taking his eyes off the players downfield. And when you have just a fresh group of bodies coming in, I mean Nick Bosa never takes plays off, but you can have. Chase Young come out for Randy Gregory. You can have, you know, uh, Hargrave come out for Drake Jackson, etc., etc. So I think it's a really good move. I love that it happened right before their bye week. So he's he should be able he should be good to go uh, for the for the uh, game in a what like 12, 10 days against or nine days against the Jags. So yeah, I really really like this move, Eli. Yeah, I just I I can't disagree with you at all. The move is exceptional. We've seen the ability of Chase Young when healthy. He's definitely an electric pass rusher out there. Um, but that really beckons the question like we just brought up again. Like The real addressing issue is the secondary right now. And Although I don't disagree with the genius uh, GM by Lynch to do this trade the way he did it and organize it in the way that it seems as though you're not really even taking any risk being having the ability to get a third round compensation pick back if he ends up signing that big deal but they're getting torched man they are in the secondary like big time and I'm I'm really surprised that they wouldn't there there's guys out there who were rumored to be on the block as well so you would think that with Paxton Lynch working this deal, he could whip up something similar to one of these teams. John Lynch, Paxton Lynch, uh, ex-Broncos. Sorry, safety. yeah, that's right, that's right, John Lynch, yeah, sorry. Funny yeah, though, John Lynch also mind. ex-Broncos safety. <laughs> yeah, Just no, that's, that's the crazy thing, because I remember both of them yeah. were Broncos. Yeah, no, that is funny, my bad. But, uh, yeah, like you said, and another trade that happened was uh, the Green Bay Packers sending uh, Rasul Douglas cornerback to the Buffalo Bills. Um it was uh, I like that. It was a third round pick the the Bills sent for uh, Rasul Douglas in a fifth, and uh, you know that's a corner that maybe maybe San Fran could have looked at and, and got as well. I mean that's not a. Crazy, I like him, man. I, he, I think that's good. a good. I think that's in, a good business deal. In for my the Bills. opinion, for Buffalo, um, he is a perfect fit for them. They're a zone based defense, and he's a zone based corner. Um, I love it. I love it, Eli. I think it's a great, great addition for them. They've also been struggling in the secondary with Tredavious White going out with his, uh, can't remember if it was an Achilles or ACL, but just a devastating injury. Yeah, it was a horrible injury, injury for sure. And, you know, he, they now have a good cornerback one. And the best thing about Rasul Douglas is 
He's very versatile. He can play in the slot. He can play out right. He can play out left. He can play safety if you yeah, want. Yeah, and he to. doesn't strike me like he has an ego, too. No, so no. I think he's going to fit in as a very good veteran presence on this team. And we're not saying he's going to play to the level of Tredavious oh, no, no. White at all because he's one of the best in yeah, the league. But, but Rizul, he's a very good player. Though. Yeah, he's a great complimentary, complimentary player to have in there. So, yeah, I think that's like, a great he's a, Like you said, he's a veteran. I mean, they have first-round pick last year, Elim, who's been kind of like a healthy scratch in a lot of games this year, which is kind of shocking. And then they have uh, Christian Benford, the other corner, who's uh, in his second year. So, like you said, this is just it's a good, um, it's a good veteran presence for that, for that room. Uh, it's a good veteran presence for that for that secondary to go along with uh, their two stud safeties, Mika Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And, yeah, I just love it because uh, the Bills are one of the best zone teams in the NFL on defense. They pass zones really good. And uh, Rasul Douglas is a very good corner, uh, very good zone corner specifically, Eli. Yeah, and the weird thing about that is the timing of which it just happened because the Green Bay Packers GM just made some very interesting comments as well to the media today talking about this being a very important 10 game stretch for the future of Jordan Love as the franchise quarterback of Green Bay as if a young guy isn't under enough pressure as it is as a starting NFL quarterback to have his own GM question his future openly with the media I don't really understand that so I think that just kind of adds to the interesting aspect of this trade and making that deal and getting that third rounder so that's just something to add on I don't get this trade from the Packers standpoint necessarily because Jer Alexander has been in and out of the lineup all year with a back injury and he hasn't been playing uh, up to his standards when he is in I mean he just got torched by Jordan Addison uh, this past Sunday, and then also their 2021 first-round pick, Eric Stokes, uh, he made a season season debut two weeks ago against the Broncos and played like three snaps, and is just back on the IR. So they're thin in the secondary, and to come out and say something like that about Jordan Love, uh, it's almost like they're setting him up for failure. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's almost like they have one eye on the immediate future and looking at a different future, so yeah. to speak. So, I mean, yeah, it's some weird, weird comments that as a quarterback you definitely don't want to be hearing from your GM. So, And, you know, we're we're rooting for Jordan Love. We're, we always are rooting for these young quarterbacks. Um, hopefully he can, you know... It's a cutthroat that, business as yeah. it is, man, and it doesn't help when the like the, these guys are trying their best week by week. They might not be executing the way that they want to. Jordan Love had a very good start to his yeah. NFL career. He looked very good for the first three games. It's gone a lot more difficult since then, which we've seen happen time and time again to a lot of very good players who end up having very good careers. Sometimes nowadays you see these young quarterbacks get given up on very quickly and I I hate to see that because sometimes it just takes time to adjust to the speed to the level to to such a different to the schemes it's so different right and they they it's you don't get a lot of time anymore in this league so it's pretty and speaking of not getting time Desmond Ritter there's there's another move that we just saw happen overnight as well announcing that they're going to be going with Taylor Heineke and listen Desmond Ritter has not played well but I think he's definitely progressed from the start of the year to now and that just speaks to once again the cutthroat nature of this league of this business uh cure multiple times on our pick show he he called he wanted Taylor Heineke to get in there he literally said multiple times that he wanted to see him in there and uh yeah you're getting what you want now cure because Taylor Heineke is coming into gunsling against the Minnesota Vikings uh, on that, lowly defense too on so that- 
I just want to say I hope that they stick with Heineke because I hate when see when, that's what I was just gonna they get make to these switches and then it doesn't work out and they go back. It's like because that makes it even harder yeah, on a young quarterback exactly. when you have someone totally butcher his faith in you and move away from you and then say hold up now we're gonna bring you back and throw you back yeah. in the fire. I don't know what good that does. It so doesn't do anything. This this would have to be like a season long move for me at this point. Them doing this. I think this, when so. you make the switch. It has to be, and it, and I don't know if this might be too like a Taylor Heineke is not a world beater by any means. No, he's we, a gunslinger. He's though. a gunslinger. He's he's Ryan Fitzpatrick esque. You know, yes. he has his moments, he has his struggles, but um, yeah, I don't know. You saw this last year with Washington. I'm not saying like it was you know you had Carson Wentz in for a bit, then you they pulled him and had Heineke in, and then they pulled Heineke and went back to Wentz, and then eventually gave Sam Howell like. You know, that shit doesn't work. Like, it's 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 hard enough to play with confidence as a quarterback in the NFL. Everyone knows it's the hardest position in sports. So, hopefully they stick with Heineke. I don't really trust Arthur Smith to do that. I think the way that this even happened is, like, it's... it's I think Arthur... I'm, I'm just going to say, Arthur Smith, you're a coward. <laughs> the way that you, you bench... You, this guy was cleared from concussion protocol was good to go back in the game. You said that there was something off with him, so you, you kept him out of the game. And then you said during this week that you, you have his best interest and you don't want to put him out there if he's not healthy. And then you just come into today on Wednesday and say, he's Taylor benched, Heineke's though. starting, yeah. Desmond Ritter's the backup. So it's like, at least have the balls to tell your players what's... It's just like with Bijan Robinson not playing the other I can't like, stand Arthur Smith no. at this point, and he's going down in my books by the week yeah. right now, to be completely honest with you. That's a, that's a really immature way to handle that situation, and you depicted it exactly how it happened. That's not even adding on any influence of what actually occurred there. So, yeah, that whole situation was weird, especially after this whole Bijan thing from the previous week as well that, that was ridiculous to not even tell people that he wasn't going to be uh playing in that game as well so yeah that whole situation's fucked 100 i i don't even know i love it as a saints fan i've, I've loved seeing the falcons in this position right now because i think they're going to be in a position of struggling going forward from here because it looks like there's just a lack of confidence through this entire dressing room right now um speaking of lack of confidence how about those raiders how about those Raiders, Jesse? I know you love those uh, Las Vegas Raiders in a big way, dude. Yeah, fuck the Raiders. <laughs> Pathetic performance on Monday Night Football. Pathetic performance by Jimmy Garoppolo. That guy, you know, it was... So, yeah, they cleaned house. Uh, Josh McDaniels, gone. Dave Ziegler, gone. Their offensive coordinator, gone. Jimmy Garoppolo, gone Benched. to the bench. Aiden O'Connell, in. Antonio Pierce, coach. Uh, Champ Kelly, GM. And I tell you who couldn't be happier about this. I got a message from our good buddy, Lyndon Book, today. And Randy, Randy Book, the legend, was saying this for a while. He wanted the kid to get a shot. He wanted Josh McDaniels gone. So, Randy Book, you got what you want. Get him in the GM position while you can, Raiders. He seems to know this organization better than you idiots do. Just to bring this back down to earth, I don't even think Randy Book can save this franchise. No, no. Over the last 20 years, <laughs> the the Las Vegas Raiders are the number one team in point differential with a negative 1,985 points. Mark Davis is the fucking problem here. That's a lot of Next points. Next year, bro. whoever they hire as their coach, Mark Davis is going to be paying John Gruden, Josh McDaniels and this new coach. He's already the... I mean, he's not poor, but he's the poorest owner in the NFL with, with $2 billion network. Uh, or, sorry, net worth. 
It's going lower, man. Yeah, it's that's, I mean, a, that's only gonna listen, go down. Listen, from this here, guy man. signed John Gruden to a ten-year deal. He's paying John Gruden for like six more years. He's paying Josh <laughs> McDaniels for four more years. Josh McDaniels just made history as the first coach in NFL history to get fired before his second year ends for two different teams. The guy's trash. Jimmy Garoppolo, they're paying this guy $67, $70 million for what? To lead the league in picks while missing three games. I mean, this franchise is fucked. They don't even feature Devontae Adams. As can't a, even get a touch, man. They can't it's even crazy. give him a touch. He's one of the best receivers in the league. The I guy's mean, the lowest scoring player on my fantasy yeah. team in the last four weeks. We're talking about the top five receiver of the NFL. Like it, it's uh, He really can't even... It's yeah. hard to imagine a worse scenario for any team in the NFL as to what's occurring to the Raiders right now. But they're moving forward, and they're moving forward with Aiden O'Connell. He's now the guy. They've named him the starter, I believe, for the rest of the year even. Did they confirm They said that? going forward. Yeah, so, so we'll going see what forward. That takes. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the Broncos are going to smash him by 20 end of the year when they meet It'd be up hard to see them going back to Jimmy G with all this other action, though. You know, you're almost saying, it. like, let's just, I mean, just clean the slate and see what yeah, happens yeah. from here with this guy. And Jimmy you know? G is gone because, like, they can move on from him after this year. They paid him his 45 guaranteed. Uh, the rest of the last two back years of the dealer is all Fugazi, so he'll be gone. I mean... I feel like I could have went out there and did what he did this year for a 45 mil. Yeah, he's I trash. He's trash. Like, um, before we go back to these trades, though, uh, another just Kirk Cousins, devastating Achilles injury. Yeah. He was playing his best football of his career. Really um, sad to see, man. Yeah, he's gone for the year. You know, they have the, the rookie Reed on their roster who's starting this week. They have Nick Mullins on IR, and then they just made a trade for uh, – Josh Dobbs from the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who will most likely be their starting uh, quarterback moving forward once he gets uh, the playbook down and everything, Eli. Yeah, once he's acclimated, it seems as though he's definitely going to be the starter going forward. It's really sad with Kirk, man. I mean, this is arguably the best football of his career he was playing. They had a three-game win streak heading in. I mean... Everyone was writing them off. Everyone was talking mad shit early on in the season about the Vikings. And they're right in position for a big playoff push now. So super unfortunate for them. Super unfortunate for Kirk, who was on the last year of his contract as well. Yeah. So And he was playing like he was oh, playing tough, MVP man. level football. He was. He, he, was, really had, he was. was a top 10 quarterback this year, all year. Having the best, I mean, he's had good years, but he's I mean, he's second best. in yards. Yeah. He's first tied for first yeah. in touchdowns. I mean, the numbers back it up. We're not just saying this because and they're four and four, but they're a much better team than they were last year when they were thirteen and four. And they their record might not say so, but they were much they're a much better team this year. And Kirk Cousins, like not now, but with Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins. Who had a really, really good year I mean, last year. They were year. just winning games without Justin Jefferson, exactly. even, man. Like, things were starting to look better. Their exactly. defense was starting to get a Brian little tighter. Flores has the defense playing pretty damn good. Yep. Jordan Addison, they might have two number one receivers with Seriously. Jefferson and Jordan Addison. So that's a really tough injury. Um, you could see how deflated everyone was on the sideline. I mean, Kirk Cousins gets a lot of slack in the media, but the the, the team, the locker room, they all love him so much. He's a great guy, man. Yeah. I mean, I watched that quarterback documentary. Uh, it's really, really difficult to not root for a guy like Kirk Cousins. He's just a stand-up person. Always takes time for his fans. Always takes time for anyone who's involved with any team that he's been involved with. So... Yeah, this one stings. This one stings in a big way, and the Vikings made a couple uh, plays on the trade deadline, too. They also sent uh, guard Ezra Cleveland to the Jacksonville Jaguars in return for a sixth rounder in 2024 as well, too. So, yeah, they made a couple moves on 
on this trade deadline, Jesse. I'm not too sure what you make of it and where they're going to go from here, but yeah, I mean, it's they, tough, man. They got rid of Ezra Cleveland, uh, guard. They traded him for a 2024 six-round pick to the Jags. Um, I'm a bit shocked that they, with this injury to Kirk Cousins, that they held on to Daniil Hunter. I thought they would for sure trade him. I mean, I mean, I know he's having a great year, but I mean, they're they might sneak in as the seventh seed, but like they're not, they're no longer contenders. That's the at thing; all. it's it's hard to admit that for anyone involved with the franchise, especially when you fight on this three game win streak. You get back to four and four. It's like a wide open NFC, and it's like like you say, the reality is. Whoever you're going forward with, it's not going to be the guy like Kirk Cousins no. and not playing at that caliber no, level. No. So that's a big thing. Yeah, like Daniil Hunter, I mean, what would have you got in return for well, him playing at the level he's currently I, playing I feel at? Like you, you know, you probably are asking for a first. I mean, he's a fucking great player. He's leading the league in sacks. He's leading the league in tackles for losses. But That's what I mean. You almost sell when it's high like that, yeah, you know, that's especially what I'm saying. in that you position, You get another right? first and, uh, you know, you kind of you kind of look into the draft next year. I mean, that's if I was the GM of the team, that's personally what I would be doing. But, uh, like, here, for example, I don't know if maybe the asking price for him was too much because last year at the trade deadline, the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins for a first. That's right. And Daniel Hunter is a far, far better player than in Bradley every way Chubb. shape and yeah. form yeah so i don't know if they were maybe wanted multiple first or a first and a second and maybe you know teams really value draft picks so maybe that was a scenario but i would have loved for the uh the jags to to make a trade for daniel hunter as we were talking earlier like you know aside from josh allen they don't have another pressure player trevon walker he's a good player but he's not living up to that number one hype no he's more of a run stuffer than a pass rusher and then other than that i mean they don't they don't have a lot of a lot of good pass rushers they have a great run stuffing defensive line but i mean once they get into the playoffs and you're playing joe burrow patrick mahomes josh allen you got to get to those you need guys to get man. to those guys those guys are, are unreal on a clean pocket you know that's that's the weird thing is looking at it from the team's perspective because now they're on that five game win streak things are going so good that it's almost like if it's not broke don't fix it but what you're talking about is a different beast than the regular yeah. season you're talking about playoff football the term. highest caliber in the nfl and you just saw what what pressure does, even to the likes of someone like Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. Thirty-seven pressures, zero touchdowns. Exactly. That's what it Two does. Two interceptions. There you go, and you don't see that very and regularly. And the, the Broncos only had three sacks that game, but it doesn't like you it's know, pressure, exactly. man. It's all pressure, dude. And so I do like the Jags getting Ezra Cleveland. I mean, the Vikings were able to trade him because uh, former Broncos guard, free agent Dalton Risner, who they signed a few weeks ago, has stepped into that starting role and played really well. So that that is an upgrade for the Jags to bolster their offensive line. So I. I guess that that their priority. I think that's a win-win for both. I I agree. I agree, and I think uh, I think that their I guess their mentality was you know let's beefing up the offensive line to protect our franchise, Trevor Lawrence, and they must feel really confident in in Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne to to go out there and do their thing uh, for the rest of the year, and then in the playoffs to make some plays and 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 hopefully win some games for them, Eli. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the best bit of business for both teams from all the trades that were made I, th- I think that's one of the ones where it's win-win like I honestly like the 49ers in my opinion were the clear winners in that yeah. Chase Young trade for sure I was just about to mention oh yeah oh yeah 100% uh the the Bears yeah uh, let's get into that one yeah the Bears also so Washington uh lost both their pass rushers Montez Sweat going to the Chicago Bears for 2024 second rounder and when you look at that Chase Young deal and you look at this one, I mean, it's pl- pretty clear which team won in which situation there. 
Yeah, it's interesting the Bears being buyers at the trade deadline. Which, I don't really get this. Yeah, so uh, like the way I view this is I've seen a lot of different mixed uh, reactions on this. The way I look at this is Montez Sweat, he's 27. He is a really good uh, player. He's a top 25, top 30 pass rusher. They're probably going to have that second round pick is going to be a high second round pick. It's probably going to be, you know, anywhere from 32 to 36 or sorry, 33 to 36. Um, so, you know, that that's like a lottery ticket. You don't know I, this, this, in my opinion, I, I mean, I haven't dove too much into the, the college draft yet. I mean, they're still playing games and whatnot in college, but it doesn't seem to be too deep of a pass rushing draft. You know, there's a couple guys top heavy, but then after that, there's a definite drop off. And so, in my opinion, the Bears, this is like a long-term play uh, for Montez Sweat, who's also a free agent this year. So two things. If they can sign him long-term, I th- think it's a good trade for the Bears because, you know, the Bears have six and a half sacks as on their defensive line this year. Montez Sweat has six and a half sacks himself. So they need they need a pass rusher. But if they can't lock him up long-term, they traded away a premium pick for this guy. So it's really up to Ryan Poles, their GM, to... To secure it for the long Yeah, exactly. Deal. If they yeah. can, I love it. Because like, if they don't, that doesn't make any it's sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, and especially at the position where they're sitting with uh, Field still questionable exactly. with his finger. and I mean, like, it's nuts if they're not secure. Like, this might be, like, one of the worst trades ever if they, if they, if they don't they, yeah, secure Yeah, exactly, because they're not a contender. And it's like, it's like the San Fran. If they don't sign... I don't really expect them to sign Chase Young after this year. This is like a... They know they're going to be in the playoffs. They needed to add... And this is like the, in my opinion, a few years ago when the Rams traded for Von Miller. They knew that they didn't have the cap to sign him after. They went but, all in for and the, they, that and big won, run. Yeah. Right? And so this is what San Fran's doing. The Bears are not in a position like that. <laughs> so I think that they need to try to lock him up before he gets to free agency, before the season's over. And uh, I don't know what his asking price is or whatnot. I mean, he deserves to get paid. He's a really good football player. Um, he's lived up to his first round pick. He was like the 17th pick or something like that in the draft uh, four years ago. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting trade. I've seen a lot of mixed reactions. That's just my personal opinion on it. It can go one or two. I ways. just found it weird from Washington's perspective too. Cause I mean, like they're, they've been competitive in every game yeah. this year, except for when they got blown out by the bills. Like I, I just kind of thought that they might be looking at like a playoff outside yeah. wild card push this year or something. And it kind of seems like they're giving up. They're kind of throwing yeah. in the towel this year with these two I think trades. The, with the new ownership group, they're kind of, they want to put their own stamp on it. 100%. Now. Yeah. So now they have, they now have uh, five picks in the first three rounds of the next year's draft. That's they a have, lot of moves they can make. They right have there, over nine, $90 million in cap space. And, uh, you know, Florio, Mike Florio, uh, pro football talk this morning when I was listening to it, he heard over the weekend, this isn't a report or anything. He just heard from a source that, uh, Josh Harris, the new, uh, commander's owner was kind of interested. And I haven't even talked to you about this, but he's kind of interested in maybe perhaps trading for Bill Belichick to be the coach of the commanders. And he's not reporting that or anything. He's just heard that from like a like a couple of couple of guys within the league. Right? Now that would be crazy. That would be crazy. And <laughs> to I don't, see Bill outside of New England. Yeah, would be nuts. and I don't think that that necessarily is a like a, the greatest of ideas because Bill Belichick is like seventy something and he's not <laughs> like they're, they're they're not performing. I don't think he's gonna level. be looking at moving or like no, taking like, that th- type of no, step anytime exactly. soon. But it's not. I mean, he won't have a say if 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 Robert Kraft trades him, right? Like what he, I do want to say though is that this basically 
Ron secures gone. Ron Rivera's exit from this team and after GM, this year. Gone. Yeah. I don't know about Eric Bieniemy because the offense is pretty electric. I mean, there's there's games where they're like Sam Howell is. He's Somehow, looked really, really good at times. Yeah, man. he's looked really good at times, and if they can just get a little bit more consistency, like he's played phenomenal both times they played the Eagles. He really and, has, and they're arguably the best team in the league right now. You know, and he had a big comeback against the Broncos, eighteen point comeback, um, multiple three three games I think with scoring thirty plus points. So I mean, this is the best offense that Washington has had in years. So, and that's with him getting sacked an egregious yeah. amount of times too. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's actually kind of ridiculous that he's performing to that level. And yeah, that that just goes back to what I was saying. I don't, I didn't really see Washington doing this. You know, no, like no. I, I I heard rumors yeah. about it happening beforehand, but like I really, it was almost like the Broncos where it was like you hear all these rumors and then nothing yeah. happens because they go on that little run. Yeah. It's almost the opposite for Washington. They lost two games coming into the trade deadline. And like you said, I guess like, you know, new ownership, they would, they kind of want to make the team in their own image and everything. Yeah. So, so I will say they did pay their two interior guys, Josh Allen and, and uh, Darren Payne. There's another Josh Allen or sorry, uh, Jonathan Allen. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. I was like, how many fucking that, Josh yeah, Allen's are that's, there? In that's this my league, bad. Yeah. Uh, the two Bama boys, Darren Payne and Jonathan, <laughs> Allen, uh, two really good defensive tackles. So they paid them. Uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young are both free agents after this year. So obviously they can't pay all these guys. Yeah. But I did. Exp- I see. I did think they would trade one of them. I didn't think they would trade both. No, of them, no, me neither. And so that was quite shocking, um, for sure. And uh, I don't know where they go from here. I mean, Washington. You know, not the uh, like historically a really good franchise, but the last twenty or so years have been pretty tough. Yeah, and they're in a very difficult division, especially in recent times. Every yeah. year, like Philly, they're and, nowhere near Philly yeah. or Dallas's no. level. I mean, they're they're a step ahead of the Giants right now, but I mean that's not saying a whole lot. No. Um. Yeah. Uh. One of the trades that I really liked though was the uh, the Detroit Lions trading for uh, for wide receiver Don- Donovan People Jones. They traded a six round pick to the Browns. Uh, I think the Browns, you know, they, they drafted Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. He's a very similar receiver to DPJ. And so they must they must want to get him out on the field. And, uh, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he played at Michigan. He's from uh, Michigan, so he's returning home. He's a big body receiver, a big possession receiver. Uh, Jamison Williams hasn't really lived up to the hype. He has his moments, but there's no consistency there. Um, Amara St. Brown's obviously a stud. Uh, and then other than that, you know, it's just a bunch of role players on, on at the receiver role. So I do like this trade. I think he can – I'm not saying he's going to come in and be like a 1,000-yard receiver or anything no. like that, but he does bring some depth, uh, big body, a big catch radius for Jared Goff. He, he kind of fits the manuscript that Dan Campbell yeah. likes, a big physical exactly, guy exactly. who's able to make I, plays I, I, and buy into – right? yeah, yeah, exactly, and buy into the system, right? And like you just mentioned – Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a clear number one. He will be going forward. Jameer Gibbs has evolved into an elite player in a matter of two weeks. He's finally getting his opportunity and making it count the most. Uh, You just said it's almost like a receiver committee right now, and I think he just fills in to a great spot in that committee. So you see Reynolds, you see... um, J-Mo. Yeah, J-Mo. They're, and they, now DPJ. Yeah, I mean, like, they, they're going to have their ability and they're going to be asked to make plays when it matters. So it'll be interesting to see how he slots into that mix. And yeah. I, I like this trade for both teams as I well. I do too. I think Browns, it balances like, out well. They, they get a, like a six-round pick. You know, who knows? They, have, they need draft picks because of that terrible Deshaun Watson trade. And so I do like that. And then 
Um, yeah, I guess we'll just finish off. Uh, well, I want to talk about a couple of guys that didn't get traded, but we'll finish off the trades here with uh, the New York Giants trading Leonard Big Cat Williams to the Seattle Seahawks for a second and a fifth. Uh, this was pretty shocking. Uh, that he is a free agent after this year. He's 29. Uh, a, a reason that they traded, or part of the reason that the they got a second for him was because the Giants are eating almost $10 million of his salary. And so the, the Seahawks are only paying him 650 k for the rest of the year. It's good business, man. It's good business for them. Uh, they have a third-round pick um, from Denver. So they have two-thirds this year. So it's not like they're short on draft picks or anything. And they... Clearly, like we said earlier, for our boy Kier, they clearly are in Super Bowl, Super Bowl, mo- Super Bowl mode. They think they can win the Super Bowl. They think they can win the division. Um, now this, they just have a like, like Sam, like their defensive line is not quite on the level of San Fran or Philly, but they have a bunch of bodies where they can just rotate them in. I mean, now on the inside you're gonna have Leonard Williams and Draymond Jones. On the outside you have uh, Frank Clark. You have uh, the rookie Derek Hall. You have Boye Mafe. Um, you have Jaron Reed on who can play inside or outside. So you're going to have a fresh rotation of bodies. And, uh, you know, Big Cat Williams is a, he, he can play the three technique. He can play defensive tackle. He can play on the outside. He's more of a run stuffer. He's a big body. He can get home to the quarterback too. So I, I do think this is a pretty good trade. Um, I was a little shocked after like the next day with the Chase Young trade, why they, wouldn't really go after him instead because he's a younger player. Unless they didn't know, right? Like yeah, they, well, that well, he but was I mean, available. Make the, make the phone call. Right? That, that's the, the thing. Media. That's the thing. Rumors, yeah. Right? So either way, the Leonard Williams. Is he's a great, a great player too. Player. Yeah, he's, he's a, a great, great player. Hundred percent. And this is just it adds depth. I mean, he he's gonna start alongside Draymond Jones. Uh, Draymond Jones can also play on the uh, inside or the outside, and he's more of a pass rusher. Uh, big body guy where Leonard Williams is more of a run stuffer so I do like this trade too uh, even if they can't keep him long term I think it's a good move for a team that in my opinion is is definitely a contender Eli. There's a couple things that I thought were missed in this trade deadline. Yeah let's um, talk about it. Kansas City this might just be my opinion I just thought they would get a receiver. Dude. I mean clearly McCole Hardman isn't 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 a savior no, for he, them. He's not he's not the guy, man. Like I just thought they'd be in the market for a big name. Yeah. And there's big names who were definitely rumored to be yeah. on that block. Yeah. So um I can understand them not getting like a Judy or Sutton who are cause like in division, but there there is other guys, you know, Mike Evans is a free agent. That's a big name that was circulating yeah, out exactly. there for sure, man. I mean even guys like uh, like a uh, like a Darnell Mooney. Windows Chicago. don't last forever no. and this is like the Chiefs are in that era. They're yeah. in that rarefied golden age for a franchise where it's a Super Bowl every year yeah. possibility yeah. and they might just be letting one slip this year without yeah. making that addition yeah. that one shocked me um there was tons of rumors circulating around Derrick Henry's uh yeah. disposal from Tennessee no one bid on that and yeah. you had good reasoning why and I just want you to bring that to the forefront here. yeah I think that you know from what I understand and I've heard and, and seen on Twitter and you know I'm I listen to a lot of like these NFL podcasts and stuff I mean I'm addicted to the shit <laughs> apparently they were asking for a second round pick for him and you know, for a running back that's 30, that's a free agent next year, I don't think too many teams are going to give up a second-round pick for that. You know, if he was under contract for a few more years, maybe. 
But uh, that's a premium draft pick. I could see like a fourth or something. You know, Derek, this isn't like a, you're trading for like a 27-year-old Christian McCaffrey last year. They got a second and a third. Like we said, this is a 30-year-old. He's got, I still think he's got juice left in the tank. But, yeah. I mean, he's had a ton of touches over the years. They've He's a workhorse running back. So, I can understand that. Um, another guy circling his frustration, and there was a little bit of rumors, was uh, uh, Dalvin Cook in, in New York Jets. And, you know, I thought maybe a team... I was shocked to see him not yeah, run because they have tons of guys in that running Reece back Hall's room stud, too. Man. Yeah, and like Michael Carter's their third down back, so I thought maybe they would trade him. You know, you could probably get Dalvin Cook for like a fifth round. I mean, he he's hasn't done a fucking thing this year. No, and it's like he's not. He's gonna player. be fresh if he would have yeah, went exactly. anywhere. Like he's he literally the, hasn't done anything. Yeah, and he's not the player he used to be, but he's still a good running back. He can still get the job done. Um, One I'm, I was hoping for just to jump in there. Uh, Devonte Adams, especially oh, yeah. with this blow up with the Raiders. I mean, I I'm hoping because I have him in our fantasy yeah, league, yeah. and I mean he's done fuck all for me for the last four weeks now. And you would just kind of naturally assume that might have been what would have started this whole yeah. entire blow up because it would have made a lot of sense at this point now for him to go. He's kind of treading in open waters. He has had a point in his career where he's openly talked about he wants to be in contention for yeah. Super Bowls guess what ain't happening no. not on the Raiders not this year probably not next year either so maybe after this season I saw something a report, might happen there I saw a report that the New York Jets inquired about trading for Devontae Adams and not like both of these guys but one of the two and Mike Evans that would have made a ton especially I, I well, mean Adams with Rodgers right that would have like, made even, a ton of even, sense like aside from Garrett Wilson in, in New York none of these other receivers are doing anything no. and just that would help a Zach Wilson out until they get uh, Rodgers back and then next year reuniting uh uh, Adams and Rogers, and then also I think Adams would be a great mentor for a young Garrett Wilson, who's who's a really really talented wide receiver. And also I understand and see I I like I I like I don't I didn't even hear that the Chiefs inquired about a Mike Evans who's a free agent. See I like GMs that make these phone calls, even if it's a no. It's like you, what do you lose? Nothing, you don't lose a fucking nothing. thing. You right? gotta test the waters, man, yeah. or you'll never know. And even a guy like Darnell Mooney, like you know, like. I heard he was maybe, t- they were taking some phone calls on him, so I was kind of shocked about that. Um, yeah, and then also this rumored fire sale that the Broncos are going to have with Jerry Judy, Cortland Oh, Simon, that's all you, you Josie looked at Jewel, anywhere you looked, you Patrick said the Sertan, whole team's yeah. fucking gone, basically. And, you know, we they won two games, and, and, and but Sean Payton this whole time was saying that, that, that they're not looking to trade anybody. And, you know, as a, as a, you know, these coaches lie all the time, but I guess he was telling the truth, he left. Um, I kind of thought Miami might do something to bolster their defense. Yeah. Uh, their defense can torch this year, man. Yeah. They're allowing 25 and a half points a game. I guess you don't really look at that when you're putting up as many points yeah. as they put up. But uh, yeah, I just think they're in one of these windows right now too, where you kind of think they're, they're willing to go all in and make a couple big moves yeah. defensively. And we didn't see them do that here. I was surprised. I, I guess they're just... Maybe their uh, thought process on that is, you know, they traded, like, a lot of draft picks for Tyreek Hill. They traded draft picks for Jalen Ramsey. But, yeah, I agree. They need – they I think they need another pass rusher um, to Big go time. along with Chubb and Jalen Phillips. I mean, Jalen Phillips is a stud. Bradley Chubb is a good player who has good games. He didn't really ever live up to what people thought no, he was going to he had a great be. rookie year. And then he battled injuries and stuff like that. And then they're paying him a fucking boatload of money. Yeah, they are. And for a guy that's not even the best pass rusher on their team. So, yeah. But um, 
I will say they are getting Xavier Howard back this week, and they got Jalen Ramsey back last week, who had an interception in his first game back. So maybe their defense can improve uh, down the road. But I agree. I thought they would maybe even a running back. Man, yeah, that that one that one surprised me for sure. Um, speaking of running backs, we kind of were connecting the dots earlier on between Baltimore potentially going in for Derrick Henry because yeah. it kind of would have made a lot yeah. of sense. But Baltimore's got this thing going on right now where. They have a running back by committee, and they're all kind of playing well. So I guess they're kind of just looking at it like, let's not take on that big capital. Let's not take on that risk of the 30-year-old Henry because... Uh, Gus Edwards and um, Justice Hill, Hill they're, they're playing good right now, exactly. man. They're playing really good. Lamar's looking really good. Lamar is all, brings that running element too, right? He does, and he's, he's using his legs a lot more situationally than we've seen him in the past yeah. too. He's trying to reduce the amount of contact he's taking. He's trying to reduce that, oh, Lamar can't throw quarterback kind of... Uh, you know the people who want to have that narrative the, he's, he's a completely back. eliminated that yeah. this year because he's looking incredible as a quarterback i just kind of thought we, we talked about it in the weeks leading yeah, up yeah. those those dots kind of connected we didn't see it transpire makes sense to me now looking at it where they're at i mean i i still think yeah. they're gonna compete with anyone oh, yeah. this year so i will say after seeing um you know philly traded for buyer the safety and then the the trades at seattle and um uh, Sam Fran made. I'm surprised that Dallas didn't make a move. Yeah, they kind of stand still. Yeah. I feel like they, you know, they have a good team, but those other teams uh, on their level or slightly ahead of them or slightly behind them made moves to, to just boost their roster, and they kind of stood still. So I guess they're confident in their group, but. That was just something that kind of shocked me. One thing I thought Dallas could have added was like something to clog up against the run because their defense is looking good against the pass, really good. Uh, especially statistically, they're looking good at creating turnovers, but they're also allowing a ho- nearly 110 yards rushing per game yeah, right now. They're small on the defense. Yeah, they're, they're starting to have those cracks show against teams right now. So I thought that's maybe what they would have been in the market for. We didn't see anything transpire there. And like you said, like... There's a lot of movement from teams who are probably positioned better than they are. I think it's fair to say right now, especially yeah. in their own division with Philadelphia, yeah. you would kind of think that they'd want to like get the ball rolling and take a shot and say like we're right up there with them. We didn't see that, but they are looking better the last couple of weeks. So they're too, really good say. at home. Yeah, uh, and they got a big game this week against Philly, so we'll see they where do. they stack up against the 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 elite of the elite. Yeah, that is a huge game. Um, I think we just talked about uh Buffalo earlier. They we, got Leonard yeah, Fournette, right? They yeah, they him. they got Lenny too. We I think they could have added a receiver. Or something yeah, I, I was gonna say. I mean, like we've we mentioned it. Same with Kier on the pick show. We've said it multiple times about Gabe Davis. He is so fucking unreliable, yeah. man. I mean, he's like really explosive at times and just totally invisible at times. So like. I, I thought they might have been in the market for that too, but I definitely I mean, think they could have used another receiver. I mean, you're seeing Dalton Kincaid kind of emerge as a as a new threat for them on offense, but it's never, it's like they're just. I don't and know. that's not to say I don't like the moves they made because I I think Lenny coming in at this point of the season too, we've seen him impact uh, Tampa Bay in a big way when he's yeah. healthy. I don't think he's going to be far off from where he was at. I think. He's a good veteran presence. He'll complement that running back room well. Yeah. Latavius Murray does great work too, coming in third down situations, whatever, wherever they want to they use him. They have a them. good three-headed back. Yeah, so I think, situation. yeah, they got a lot of fresh legs in that room, which is good, and I really like the Razul Douglas play there. Um, yeah, I don't really know anywhere else where I would have been 
like really surprised to see movement happen. Maybe Cincinnati doing. I just I, I, I don't even think I don't. I, really now that they're know. getting healthy, I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't really know what they would have done because they're kind of on a run now. Exactly. Um, the Jets. Just they call they could have used like some O linemen with all their injuries, but the the uh, O linemen are just so good quality o, offensive linemen are so hard to find in the NFL like. Teams just don't really give him away, really. I mean, Ezra Cleveland would have been great for them, but uh, the Jags ended up getting him, so. Yeah, I kind of also thought the Chargers might have been in the market for a receiver, too. I, I agree, but they're just a dumpster fire. Yeah, like, that franchise seems disembodied to me. Like, I, I don't know why they, like, especially with Joshua Palmer. I mean, his knee looked like it was going to fucking he was explode. hopping around on one Dude, leg. I couldn't believe when he came back in that game. Like, he looked like he was in so much pain. And he and was, like, like, running on one leg on the sideline. And no, so it was just... Absolutely, it's absolutely nuts. But, I mean, like, aside from Keenan Allen, if, if Palmer goes down, they have fucking... Like, Quinton Williams, so far as... Quinton Johnson. Sorry, Quinton Johnson, he, he he's really... He's done nothing. I yeah, mean, he, he had his best game this past week, but he's been so, un, like, irrelevant to start the year. He just doesn't look like he's, like, running good routes to no, me right now. No, he's, he's just Situationally, yeah. he doesn't really have that understanding yet, and he's very young still. It is his first season, but it just seems to me, like, if they were serious about this season, that's something that they would have done, and it just appears, like... I don't know, they're content where they are. They just have shocking. too much faith in, in what they have there. Yeah, it's almost like sad for them that they didn't get steamrolled from the Bears because I I think they're better off with this coach gone. Man, I, to I be totally completely agree. honest. I so totally that was agree. kind of probably the worst thing that could have happened is them winning like that on Monday night, so Sunday night. But uh yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to touch on from here. I think that basically let's just hit our gridiron uh performers of the week yeah i think that pretty much wraps up the trade talk there's nothing i mean if you go down the list there's really no other teams who i would have been no. surprised to see make a move so. i mean the, a lot of trades happen in the off season uh you get you get better value just it's really just contenders that you see making trades at the deadline yeah so yeah let's just get into it then let's go performers of the week i'm gonna kick us off with our rookie performer of the week i mean where the hell else can we go it's got to be will levis what the kid what a sensational nfl debut good for him absolutely incredible 19 of 29 he finally showed everyone deandre hopkins is still good just in case you guys were wondering he had a dog shit Tannehill throwing the ball for the few uh, first eight weeks or seven weeks or whatever and did pretty much nothing with him. Will Levis said, guess what? I know this guy's a legend, so I'm just going to throw him the ball time and time again. Connected with three touchdowns with him. Four touchdowns in total for Will Levis. Clean, no interceptions, no fumbles lost. He got sacked twice, 238 yards. Phenomenal debut. Big win against Atlanta. Um, defensive player of the week? Uh, we're going to go with Baron Browning in his first start against the uh, reigning Super Bowl champions, uh, the reigning MVP. He had six pressures, two sacks, one forced fumble on a sack, two tackles for losses. He brings that extra juice that that pass rush needs. He brings that extreme athleticism that, you know, they were lacking outside of Nick Benito. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. He's got a 23.3% pressure rate through two games. I mean, he's... And he's still knocking off Russ. He's still not playing, uh, you know, full full snaps. I mean, he he played more snaps this week, and he got the start. But he's only going to get better, Eli. Yeah, that's completely true. Um, 
offensive player of the week i it was it was a close one for us this week cd lamb had a phenomenal game take nothing away from Jalen hurts had a really nice week too he did but it has to be aj brown it just simply has to be at this point he just broke the record held by legendary megatron calvin johnson six games in a row over 125 yards receiving he had a fucking crazy touchdown catch in this one he had two the one-handed one and then the double covered i mean they were both sensational this guy's a freak athlete he's, he's just playing so good he makes hurts look so yeah. much better for like, for the gridiron gang podcast we think he's the best wide receiver in the national I mean, football league that's right eight now. eight catches on eight eight targets 130 yards two touchdowns and the reason why we're saying he's the best is because as good as tyree kill is and as quick as he is he can't make these types of contested yeah. catches that aj brown can make he can't over physical people i mean it's nothing he can't no it's incredible what this guy is really doing and how good he really is at this point so yeah shout out aj brown massive week breaking nfl records getting the offensive player not and coach coach of the week week, we're going back to the i know this uh sound like an absolute homer here but (laughs) who else could it be it's got to be sean payton uh you know beating andy reed beating the chiefs um, you know, it was a cold game. Uh, it was just a great game plan that he had on offense, running the ball, few shots to Cortland Sutton, few shots to Jerry Judy. Um, a team, I don't think anybody really, except for me, probably thought that <laughs> the Broncos had a chance to even win this game. I mean, they were like eight point dogs. How many losses in a 16, row was that? 16 in there a row. Go. And, you know, in his second chance this year, Sean Payne gets the dub. So I feel really confident in the direction that the Broncos are heading. I'm not saying we're, you know, I'm not even saying we're going to make the playoffs this year. I think we have a chance. We can definitely do it. But just long term, I'm feeling really good about where the Broncos are heading. This was the Sean Payton that I thought we were going to get. Uh, this was the Sean Payton from New Orleans. So, yeah, Eli, I'm so fucking pumped. Let's go. Yeah, that's all I could. Yeah, that's uh, just to add on that, Sean Payton rightly so took a lot of criticism earlier on this year he got blasted in the media after blasting nathaniel hackett so this was a huge huge win for him huge win for the broncos to steady the ship to give them hope give the franchise an opportunity at least for making that uh playoff push this year and that's gonna wrap it up this was a fun show we really like um bringing this different uh, aspect to the show this week. That was a lot of fun talking about the trades, talking about all the movement happening in the NFL at the halfway point of the season this year. So thanks for uh, joining us on this journey today. Thank you for sticking with us with the Gridiron Gang. Um, Shout out Keir, shout out the Seahawks with that big uh, divisional win uh, so far leading the way in the uh, NFC for their division, leapfrogging the Niners. Uh, Shout out Mike Bitts. Carolina getting that first win of the year. That's big for them. Shout out Randy Book. Oakland, uh, not the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, making all these changes and much needed because that was uh, very difficult to watch with Josh McDaniels leading the way for so long there. So here we are signing off. Gridiron Gang Pod. Just want to say happy birthday. early birthday to our board JP. His big birthday coming up on Friday. Turned 29, almost a dirty 30. So I hope you have a great birthday, yeah, pal. Yeah, shout out JP. Shout out those Cowboys. Just giving shout out to all the teams playing well. All the, all the boys teams were winning this week. This is a great yep. week for the yep. boys. This is a great week for the Gridiron Gang. So thank you so much for sticking with us with this new show. This is a good one. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the flip. Deuces. Let's ride.